So, hey everybody, this is PD from Spinnerack, and we're talking about Idris Elba as Bloodsport. Now, this was announced as to a lot of buzz at the DC Fandom. At DC Fandom, and um, I guess a replacement since I believe Will Smith couldn't, wasn't able to to do um, his own dead shot. So they decided to give us another character. And I think we talked about that earlier, but at the same time, it adds a lot of questions for me. Because Bloodsport was in a comic book, a Superman comic book. And um, it was, it was only, well, no, he did show up later as another character in a whole new sort of character that I think was a racist sort of villain, that sort of thing. But they are bringing back Bloodsport. So let's go to a little bit of the history of Bloodsport and let's see what we can um, drum up about him. So let's close this guy up. Now, before we go on a little further, let's move back to this. Let's go. Now, that said, I want to, um, I don't know, ultimately, um, discombobulated, aren't I? So, Work on three or four things at once. All right, so here's the issue that Bloodsport was um, introduced in. So not a, not necessarily a copy of the Punisher, but a reaction to the Punisher and the sort of death wish sort of characters. And um, you could see a little before Image, but I think the Punisher had pretty big guns thrown by Klaus, Klaus Jensen. But this is going into a little before Image, the huge sort of guns that you see Jim Lee sort of later do, and Rob Liefeld, of course, and then John Romita Jr. taking it to the next level with his enormous sized guns. So with this character, it seems like it's a one note sort of thing. But, you know, we can get, we'll get into him in a second. Let's stop this. Let's look at another sort of um, thing. Now, this is a Superman cover of issue 184. And if you notice the bottom of it, it says a complete full length novel. Meaning that they usually when they did this sort of thing, they weren't gonna give you something where you had to come back the next week. DC was kind of selling you on here, yeah, you buy this one story. You don't have to buy three or four different issues. You don't need to know what happened beforehand, didn't know what happened afterwards. And if, I guess this was sort of a sell for a lot of um, readers. You can see them do this up until the, the early 80s. And then in the mid 80s, when you can say John Byrne is on Superman, let's go back to that. Let's go back to this. In this issue, 
would be similar to that, where it basically, and John Byrne did this in his, um, I think there's only one, even though that character came back, but um, let's stick with the Fantastic Four. In the Fantastic Four, he would do one, an issue where the characters in it would not appear again. They wouldn't be like a return to this villain. There wouldn't be a multi-part story where this villain would next be the next subplot for this. It would sometimes just be one story where you can come in the month, you read it, and then you can put it down and you know this is not going to become the backstory to the next 12 issues. And I think that also helped to the element of what John Byrne was doing with Superman to try to be inclusive with anyone. At some point, even though there'd be two-parters, three-parters, possible crossovers, at some point there'd be single-issue stories where you could just pick up, read, and, and move on. And ultimately, for the most part, Bloodsport wasn't used that much after that. I said again, yeah, I think um, the character sort of appeared as a female later, and then it turned into a white character who's, um, I think, a, a supremacist or something like that. But in this issue, and this one isn't just standard Superman versus a, um, uh, obviously, some sort of Death Wish character. And his character is like he has ties to Vietnam. He has some issues that he's talking about within the issues. He obviously has some connections with someone in Metropolis. But ultimately, this isn't just your standard Superman versus that, as I said. This one turns into, if you go, go further into the book, it goes into, starts off as a Jimmy Olsen story. And Jimmy Olsen is in, in the middle of this action. You, know, you realize it's going to be with Lucy Lane, uh, yeah, Lucy Lane and um, kind of playing up the way Jack Kirby would do Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen was a star of his own book, but he would have a big cosmic sort of story and have Jimmy sort of be the beginning and end where Superman would take over the book and then um, Jimmy would come back at the end and probably tie some loose ends up or be an integral part of the story. And this is no different. Obviously, Bloodsport comes in, he's got all these cool gadgets, now the kitty is decided he has to go. You leave him, you stay. You should stay. And of course, he uses his classic signal watch to call Superman. And Superman, wait, you can't go this way. Which way are you going? Oh, no. Kitty's going the other way. Going down? Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There you go. Good job. So, in this issue, and it says, instead of having Superman, it's a Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. It's sort of saying it's a Superman story. It's obviously a story created by John Byrne, inked by Carl Kessel, and um, you know, it introduces Maggie Sawyer in the story. And this sort of plays up something that went against something that's in the Superman movie. So in this one, obviously, we made this lunatic called Bloodsport, a uh, cool logo for him. And Superman sees it. And this is Superman facing actual, the late 80s comic book sort of villains, which was characters with big, huge guns and huge body counts. So Superman on the front line, we know 
we understand, we have a hard time with Superman trying to deal with these sort of characters because it's Superman. How do you deal with someone who's just totally, you know, totally whacked out, right? You can see the loss of human life, the effect on Superman. Don't, I'm not sure if I want to give away this whole story. So I'm going to say spoilers. And hopefully, if you don't want it revealed, you stop. Because in given this, this is tough. It is a well, complete novel story. There's a single story in here. And Byrne doesn't, um, sure, there's obviously Maggie Sawyer, the classic Maggie Sawyer, um, hard as nails Maggie, you know, where you, you don't, I don't, you don't really, I didn't initially think she was, you know, butch. I just thought she was tough. And they sort of reveal some things. And there's Jimmy kind of out of the action in here. Jimmy's like, I got to handle some things. And he's on the move. And at this point, I think Byrne did some of the best, best um, um, winter coats that you can have, that you can have in a book. And I think and Kessel also helped with that. As we go along, you get this tough scene where you see people dead and see people lying on the floor and blood going crazy. And here's somewhere the plot goes and it keys you into what's going on. It says, me and Mickey, you know, what our liberty, what, what your liberty with our lives now, huh? And then, what your liberty with our lives now. So, I mean, ultimately, this is a harder thing because Superman is going against a, um, a, this is what the Superman 2 movie sort of said, that Superman can't really handle a hostage situation because obviously with the loss of human life, Superman would just fold because, hey, it's like, hey, either you give me the keys to the planet or I'll kill this woman. And Superman has to fold because he's Superman. He believes in life. And this is where Burns sort of says, there's three main ways Superman can handle a hostage situation and not just fold immediately. So in this one, I think it's, I mean, people are liking it to him saying something somewhere in the past. I'm not sure where it was. It was going to be a little less Mary Walk and a little more Clint Eastwood. And they were like, oh, no, he's turning into Rambo. And this scene sort of plays that up. So we have this standoff, this, <laughs> and we have the huge gun against the woman. And of course, Superman shows you what he can do in this. And I ultimately, I will, I'm not going to show the rest of this. I'm going to escape out of this. But this was a classic scene. And um, I've gone on about how this is a, a single issue thing. So I'm going to say, as I stated before, it's very hard for, um, well, we'll see. Because he's not really a jokey character. He doesn't lend himself to humor. He basically is a solo act. His only his focus is about him and his brother, Mickey. His name is Robert Dubois. And you know, he keeps talking about how him and Mickey got their can blown off in Nam, and talks and he's very, you know, he's very old school with the struggle with um, the Vietnam and how people are basically back home, you know, relaxing. So ultimately, there's a hook to this because, as Jimmy Olsen figured out, um, Bloodsport doesn't have his can blown off. So that's where the plot lies. 
So once you get to the, I mean, it's emotional endemic of Superman is kind of mortally wounded, you know, unsuspectedly comes back to fight, fight um, Bloodsport, who just has the guns that he has beyond anything we've ever seen. Like they're big, there's they have grenades on them, and all this crazy stuff. And um, Jimmy Olsen comes in the end and stops it because um, Bloodsport's almost ready to blow up Metropolis, which Superman would survive, but how much of Metropolis would be left? Jimmy Olsen figures out what's what's the crux of this character. And it's a, that's what I'm saying, it's sort of a one-note thing. And since Byrne didn't have him come back with more guns and more tricks and this, that, and the other, there's also another subplot with um, Lex Luthor in it. So it's a, a very involved story, but it's a one-issue story, not a one-note, because there's a lot of levels to this, this villain, and he's a villain who's not whatever reason he had, he's just diseased and has these issues. But it's a one note thing. So if this character is now in jail and he, they need to utilize him, you have to find some interesting ways to use him in the movie because he has this thing with his brother. How are you gonna work this out? Where he has these skills, he could be cool, but you had to figure out how does he join the team? How did it keep him from losing it? And, and, you know, playing that up. And then you might have an interesting character. I don't think he should be in the third or fourth movie, but um, they can figure a cool way for him to continue to be what he was. We'll see. So I guess that's it. I didn't ultimately spoil the story. You should go out and read Superman um, 4. It's the start of the classic team of Byrne and Kessel doing, um, doing Superman. It was issue four, four on. I think the last couple of issues, Kessel's off, I think it's either 18 or 19, something like that. No, it's all, I think 18. But it's a classic run between the two of them over a year of them being together. And they also did Legends. Um, I think the some of the press have incorrectly gave Carl Kessel um, co-creator status when he was just an anchor on it. So ultimately, you should check it out before the movie and see how it dries up. But it's a movie, so they could just start from that point on where he the reveal happens later. So we'll see. Spin a rack out.